Jonathan Turpin, Imran Henry class of 2017. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Duck Pond Wall. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to get to talk to you. And 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 tell us tell us where you are this morning. Tell us where you're uh, sitting. Right yep. So right now I'm in my office in um, North Charleston, South Carolina, um, in our Frito Lake facility. Nice. And you now tell us what you do for Frito Lake. Yep, so I'm a district sales leader, um, and for layman's terms, I'm a district manager. So I have 275 accounts I manage with a team of uh, 17 plus um, employees. And so um, building customer relationships, um, hit our sales goals, um, driving business, driving share, and make sure we make, my job is to make sure our sales are stocked properly, make sure we're having these nice, beautiful displays out in the market, um, make sure we're growing business for Frito Lay, and Make sure customers are happy with their bags of chips. Well, I hate to sound crazy, but that sounds like a lot of different things. I mean, how many people did you say? How many did you say your team was? Yep. So right now I have a total of seventeen. So I have um, I have sixteen around sales representatives. Actually, let me take that back. Nineteen. So I have, I have sixteen sales representatives. I have two merchandisers, and um, and so me and four of my colleagues here um, in our building alone here in Charleston uh, facility. We have over 45 RSRs in this building alone that covers Greater Charlotte area, all the way from Long's Corner up on 95, all the sure. way down to Houston, all the way up to the ocean. Holy cow! I, yeah, I know about Long's Corner. Well, that is a that is a crazy thing. That is a huge territory, and it sounds like so. How much of your day is like supervising people, and how much of it is checking on stores and that kind of thing? Yeah. So through my um, through my week, um, I have a um, I have a schedule, I make my own schedule each week. Um, so first uh, first part of the week, um, touch base my team. I have a weekly meetings with the team. I'll go over objectives, go over plans, checking in. Hey, how's everything going? Um, reviewing sales, reviewing promotions, reviewing new innovation items that are coming out soon. Uh, devising a plan to hit our sales goals target. Um, yeah, and then going into my territory in particular, uh, if you're familiar with the Charleston area, so I have North Charleston, Hughes Creek, Somerville, all the way up to Walterboro, stretches all the way up to St. George, stretch all the way down to Unity. And so that is my Okay, one of my best friends lives in Somerville. I may have to get you to take her a bag of chips one day. <laughs> yeah, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now Frito-Lay, I mean, that's always the first thing I think of when I think of Frito-Lay is a bag of chips. But now, don't, you guys do a lot of different things. I feel like I see your name on a whole lot of products. Yes, yes. So, we have, of course, we have Lay's. We have... Um, Lays. Everyone loves Lays. We have Doritos, Tostitos, Smart Foods, Simply. We have Grandma's Cookies. We have Jerky. We have Nuts, Munchies Nuts. We have Sunflower Seeds. We have a very diverse menu as well. Damn, you guys are like snackalicious. Yeah, yeah. We're the, we're the biggest um, uh, snack company in the world. So we're number so one. Cool. Well, now, did you, so you've only been out of school like, little, like three years, maybe, and I didn't know hardly that, so with Frito-Lay right out of college? Yeah, so that's kind of funny how it worked out. So um, starting off my last semester, I left my last summer. So I think we actually started off as a part-time retailer with as a merchandiser. So um, what I did was I went, I worked stores like Walmart and Whipple and Woodbine and um, did that while I was in school, especially that last semester. That last semester was kind of uh, kind of crazy. So I, had, I was taking 18 credits. I was playing football. I was also volunteering. I had also working. I had also had work study and working two other jobs on top of Frito Lay. So 
Uh, Are you kidding? How did you have time to do literally have time to do? Were you living on campus? Uh, yes, ma'am. Where did yes, you volunteer? Sorry. Yep, so I went back home. Um, it was actually for uh, a campus engagement class. Um, it was one of our professors, uh, Mimi um, Jordan Smith. Uh, we actually went back home to uh, one of the churches that she works with young men from her original home. Um, developing skills, uh, building relationships, kind of like a big brothers program. Yeah. Um, with more of the religious aspects, uh, making sure to have a positive uh, realm of those in their lives. Hanging out with them, teaching them how to do things. Like, I remember one evening we taught them how to put decals on a car, on a church van. And so we showed them how to clean off the, clean off the door, um, adding the label on, and stuff like that. So we just did stuff like that uh, for them. Well, and, and you know, those are the kinds, I mean, unfortunately, not everybody has somebody in their life who will take the time to show them how to do things. I, I, and it's, it's amazing to watch a kid respond when somebody cool like you and Jordan would take the time to, you know, to really spend time with them and show them something. I think that's amazing that, that they get to have that experience in life. Yeah, because I remember um, throughout my school, um, throughout my time at Emory, especially during the summer summer times, I always tried my best to work um, work together uh, with the impact of my community, especially the youth, because they youth is our future. So each summer, I was always coach T-ball, um, uh, provide positive engagement. Um, so I remember one year, Kelsey Mars, she helped me out um, for one year. So that was a really fun experience, and I kept doing it again and again while I was in school. So um, developing an impact in them. And so taking extra time, especially during the summer, because during the summers, I was working two to three jobs, um, also training. And so I always, I always found it was important to still have time to give back. Um, so it was actually, and I was, especially that last semester, I wanted to give back even more, especially it might potentially be my last chance in the area. And so I have my last, my last little stand before I moved on from graduation Emory. So. Well, I'm glad, I, I would love to say that Emory Henry instilled all that in you, but you sound like somebody who probably came from a family who, where that's important just because it sounds like you kind of hit the ground feeling like it service was an important part of your life. Yeah, so, because uh, my mom, uh, I remember growing, when I was growing up, when we used to live in Whipple, uh, my mom, she used to work for the Hope Center. I uh, used to help out, because of community outreach, you have to start programs and stuff. I remember I used to help out with uh, the backpacking program for kids from going back to school. Yeah. My mom always had me volunteering, doing something to want to help her, but also gain that knowledge and experience. Uh, one positive thing, has was off that gave me, the tools that gave me, especially for community engagement, um, I, especially for the first couple of years while I was at Emory, um, the classes that we did take geared towards community organizing. Um, hey, here's how you build a, here's how you build a fundraiser. Hey, here's how you build a program from scratch. Wow. Uh, that really is a really great tool. Um, I actually used that recently um, through the Texas Students Program. I was the subject matter expert for our Atlanta region on that. And they're like, hey, it's like we're raising money uh, for the United Way, and I was like, oh yeah, I learned all this stuff when I was in Emory, so it was actually, <laughs> it was actually nice to use what I learned from Emory uh, for that Texas Business Program, so it was actually, um, that's kind of funny, like now, um, with the career I have now, Emory really did give me the tools and prepared me to get ready for William Mark, especially in 2020, especially in the middle of a pandemic, um, racial injustice and the, and the racial tensions we have, Emory, Emory has a special place in my heart for the way they uh, molded us, shaped us, challenged us, and 
dentist for years and visits. Wow. Well, what a gosh. Again, people will think I'm paying you to say these nice things. That is that is precious. What a great thing to hear. Well, now, what did you major in at Emory and Henry? Uh, business. Business administration. Okay. But, but <coughs> and, and, you know, and again, we just had this conversation yesterday that Emory and Henry is one of those places where you don't have to do just one thing. You know, you, you majored in business, but clearly you also think about serving the community, and it's not like you just wanted to leave and, you know, go make a stack of cash and sit on it. You really wanted to make this part of, make that a part of your life, but not your whole life. Yes, well, definitely. I like, um, now I'm slowly trying to get back into giving back, because I know when I first got down here, I was just running, I was running, betting, um, answering this new role, um, and now I think I'm settled. Um, Charles was now sort of coming to home, but yeah. now I'm just to get back into um, giving back to the community um, um, going forward um, I'm going to be going into that Big Brothers program oh, I'm excited sweet. about that so um, it's been yeah, it's been um, since I've been down here I haven't really did anything outreach other than have some good gifts um, but since Charles is my home and seeing what everything's going on so I'm getting motivated to actually go into the Big Brothers program I was going to do it right before COVID hit but obviously with COVID oh no right they pushed everything back, so now there's everything's starting to come back on. So I'm gonna be doing that here in the near future as well. Good. Well, now, sorry. So I sort of I got a sidetrack because I was fascinated by everything you were telling me. So you said you your senior year you started working basically doing displays in stores and that kind of thing for Credo, and then and then what happened? So that was before before you graduated. Yeah. So when I graduated, um, they actually have Credo Light. Um, PepsiCo actually has a program called the Associate Program. So they take um, young uh, college graduates and put them through the, um, the associate program. Um, they'll take you from the ground up, first you start running routes, show you everything you need to know about the business at the hard time. Um, it's about a eight to 12 month process. Wow. They show you everything from the ground up. Um, so once I graduated in December, type of bags out of um, Elm, I was already, <laughs> <laughs> I remember this day because um, I was gonna be, because um, I remember doing final exams, I was in the middle of the interview process, and then it was like a couple of days right before Christmas, they're like, hey, you got your early Christmas present, um, you were put into the associate program. And so, cool. as soon as I graduated, a couple of days later, lined up, got the, um, the, uh, the associate role with Free to Light, and I actually was in Charleston, West Virginia, um, went through that program. Um, once I got started, we have a certification certified um the certification process is um it's a long process but it's really good um because it's showing you everything um from the ground up so like it's harder it's hard to manage throughout programs and business if you have not done the role right so you in depth you're actually going to be doing the role and then once you go through the role um you're still doing the key learning um touch bases and then you run your own district so my mini district is actually in Traded Charleston, and you know, no offense to West Virginia, but yay, Charleston, South Carolina. I think, yeah, uh, West Virginia always will have a special place in my heart because uh, that's where I first got started. Um, it was a great team out there. Um, it was obviously have a great team here as well. Um, it was great people because um, part of that West Virginia is um, um, a big part of West Virginia is um, even 
know, I was a detailer. I was with Virginia from Salem, all the way from Salem, West Virginia. Uh, obviously, West um, in West Virginia, that's considered the West Virginia zone. So it was actually sure. pretty good. It was actually well, during the um, during the interview process of the associate program. It was during um, it was actually during yeah, it was during exams. We actually had stuff uh, going on because, of course, uh, everybody did provide like back massages and stuff during like the exams. I remember I had a <laughs> It was kind of funny though, like during the um, during the route ride. Um, I've already flown with the stores around the area because I've always got work from the stores along and I've worked in Abington, Marion, and Whitmore. And yeah. so, I was route, so I was in my ride along uh, with the RFI. I've already flown with the stores. So I was working with them. Um, but we actually had finished up. I actually have to new loves up here. I just love it. Oh, sure. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he's like, wait, don't you go to, he's like, wait, don't you go to school? He was like, yes, I was like, yeah, we're done for the day, so now you can head back. Because <laughs> I remember that was, <laughs> yeah, because I remember that, like, that was the day, um, yeah, because we started, like, at 3.30. Uh, we started in Marion. In the um, morning? We, yep. Woo! Yep. 3.30. And Marion. Chihaui. Then we ended up in um, Bangor after. He didn't make you walk home from the truck stop, did he? Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, um, I'll follow the car. <laughs> Excited. I thought you were going to tell me that he pulled up in the big Frito Lay truck and just started handing out chips to kids taking exams. That would have been fun, too. Yeah, that would have been fun, but I thought <laughs> that's a lot of profit. That's a lot of profit loss right there. school. It's like, Aww. here's what we had. So, it all 
problems and everything from it, uh, especially um, with everything that um, went on, especially during the summer. Um, it was yeah, very, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Did 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 you feel like your company responded well during during this? Yes. Yeah, so um, on our own, we actually had a um, we actually had a call, and we actually had a time to um, actually talk about like how we're feeling and actually have open dialogue. Because remember, like at Emory, like some classes we have open dialogue we would have like a round table like we have chairs in a circle we actually have open dialogue so it was kind of like that but like obviously in the zoom setting because of everything that's going on right. uh, that's really good and uh we actually have um erg groups um what does that stand well. um it's pretty much like groups that like the mosaic group um make sure that they're tapping into everything um that we're young business leaders um gotcha. for business leaders so they can come together as we call it um they have one for a different aspect they need to think of. There's a group for it. Oh, that's so, cool. And so there's, um, there's different groups that you can join um, for empowerment, uh, for mentorship. Uh, we have a whole, I can talk about that list the whole day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole there's a whole list of things and groups that uh, we know people are included and people are uh, empowered for mentorships and guidance as well. Yeah. Well, now that's pretty great because really and truly, I mean, I, I feel like we're we're in, at, a, at a pivotal point in, in this country, and so it's exciting to hear that there are some some companies who are taking that seriously and, and want to support you, no matter who you are, or where you are, or what your station is, or what your background is, or what your your culture is. And I think that's pretty great that you found a place that will do that. Yeah, listen, it's like I know some companies are starting to do it now, but one thing I can say probably about uh, Pepsi Frito Lay, they've been doing this. <laughs> for a long time, so, uh, so we're not behind anymore, so we're actually in quite a long time. Um, that's one great thing um, we just found out for that is those programs as well, um, especially during that summer. I, um, especially um, during the summer, um, a lot of mixed feelings, um, or I really couldn't feel like I couldn't voice uh, how I really explain because sometimes it's difficult being a, um, being a young professional because um, you have to be in a straight and narrow. You have to be in the middle. You can't really lean left or lean right. Um, but it was actually a judgment-free zone, open call, to be able to talk about talk about everything you need to talk about. So I really, um, during that time, I was, I was really, really impressed. I was like, I know tough company. Um, they always have our backs. Um, they truly care about us. We're not just a number. Um, we're part of a big team. Yeah, especially here in the Columbia zone, um, where we're considered because we're part of the Columbia zone, part of the Atlantic region. Uh -huh. um, everyone here, we're very close knit. Um, we're a close knit group. It's um, pretty much like a family. And so, so it was very, I'm very fortunate um, to be part of a company that that we're truly like family. We work hard, we work hard together, we celebrate together. Um, yeah, it's been a I'm very happy where I'm at. Um, my goal is um, I, I would like to retire here, so I was like, I don't want to jump from. Career you're already career. talking. You're already talking about retiring. I was like, I would like to retire here. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a long ways. Oh, I got a long ways from retirement, but I was like, for the for the long haul, I'd like to be part of uh, Mexico. Right. Well, that makes me really happy that you found a company that that is that good and is that thoughtful of its employees and that's a nice thing to hear because not every place is and so that's a nice thing to hear 
Well, let's talk a little, a little bit about Charleston. About you know, so you when did you move to Charleston? I moved to Charleston. I want to say May of 2018. Okay, so you've been yeah. there for a little while then. Yeah. It's a, yeah. No, you go. You go. Yeah, it's like um, yeah, started off in Charleston in 20, May 2018. Um, <laughs> to be honest. I never, like, my picture location, I've never been to Charleston. <laughs> I was like, I pull up on the map. I was like, oh, look, there's five water, so this might be fun. And then I moved down here. And that's when, um, I remember the first time I went to come visit down here. Um, I just fell in love, especially downtown. Um, came over here by myself. I was like, all right, let's go venture out and see what Charleston has to offer. And it's like, I'm moving here, so I might as well try to get familiar with some of the areas. And I was first time going downtown, um, walking towards the battery. Quarters. I was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. I was like, I'm just a country boy from Western <laughs> Virginia. I didn't think I'd be down here. Um, yeah, I was like, I just fell in love with it from day one. Well, that is, well, that's awesome. And, and you, I'm sure you're friendly guy. I'm sure you've made friends immediately when, once you got down there. So you probably, you know, you got folks. Now, now it probably does feel like home because you've had a couple years to get settled in. I think, yeah. Um, I remember when I first got down here. Um, I was having trouble. Um, I used to just work, and then on the weekends I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't socialize. I would catch myself being in isolation a lot. And so to combat that, I remember in February I started to like ax throwing. I went to like ax throwing. Like, I never threw ax throwing. I never threw axes before. And next you know, I actually fell in love with it. And uh, down in Park Circle, um, uh, bearded axe location. Um, so on the weekends I actually teach class on axing. So oh I my gosh. Because I wasn't making any friends or anything because I'm always on the go. Um, so I went down to Park Circle and when they actually opened up, and so I've been with them since they opened. So I've been, so I would teach going to throw axes on the side on the um, on the weekends for about a year and a half. So that cracks me up. Just yesterday, I was with some, or yeah, Sunday, I was with some friends and we said, who in the world thought it was a good idea to put a bar and axe throwing together? And yet there you are, throwing yeah, axes. Yeah, it's a it's a really good combination. It's um it's really fun. Um, it actually is safe if you're doing it properly. Uh, it's my job to make sure you don't hurt yourself. Make sure you have good hands and fingers. Two hands and ten fingers. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, ten hands. Yeah. You'd be much better at throwing axes, though. <laughs> yeah, so multiple. Yeah, so um, feel like I was, an octopus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been um yeah I've been doing that for a year and a half with um, bearded axe on first circle. Um, that's why I started. With more people, started making friends, and I didn't realize how many friends I actually had until um, my birthday last year. And like, have like a small get together, but a small get together, I was like, oh wow, I was like, I had like parties on 40 people here. Oh, sweet! But, and that's when I realized, oh, Charleston started to come home. I actually started Aww. more people, so I so, love that. Well, I right, so just real quick, the axe thing though. So, seriously, what is there like a trick to doing that and not just throwing it down on the ground like I would? Yeah, so yeah, there's um, there's simple bases. Um, you make sure your hand placement's right. It's kind of like a golf club. Just if you're right hand, you're gonna step left. Left hand, you're gonna step right. Or release right about your nose. And I was like, I'm pretty good at it. I'm a pretty good instructor. I like to say it's like I'm probably like the best instructor in the Charleston area. I'm joking around. Um, <laughs> How many are there? Um, there's about four locations in Charleston. Right. So, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, throwing axes is really fun. Um, once you um, follow the fundamentals, 
I'll probably still hit it. Right All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to Charleston <laughs> after 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 the COVID is over. I'm gonna come to Charleston. I'm gonna make you teach me how to do this because yeah, I do. am a treat. I am a treat about it. I just think it's a funny concept. Yeah, at first it is a funny concept until you actually get doing. Uh, until you actually start doing, it's almost like bowling. Um, so you have to drink with our bowling because uh, bowling balls you have access. So. so so it's like bowling, but with without the sexy shoes. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, as long as you have those yeah. shoes, um, we can provide you. Uh, <laughs> we can provide you some nice flip on shoes. <laughs> you can't <start> flip on. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Well, so in other words, that's not a, the sport you want to dip your toe into because that would be a terrible. Because now you might lose the toe. Exactly, bad idea. So, so it sounds like you know, as we wrap up here, it sounds like that um, you found a company and, and, and a community that, in many ways, kind of reflects your experience at Emory and Henry, which is kind of cool. And you said you were a business major. You played football. Um, tell me, tell us what kind of like not not in your field of business kind of lessons that you learned at Emory and Henry that are really helping you out today. Like was was there an activity or was there a, a class in medieval literature or something crazy that you took or, or something crazy that you did that you're like, huh, I, I'm actually referring back to that now, didn't I? Yeah, so all the um, with the ETLA courses, um, those extremely helped me out a lot, especially um, being a student athlete um, and also being a part of the fraternity as part of Sigma Iota. Well, oh, that's sweet. Um, um, those tools from the classroom onto the um, onto the sports field, um, and being a part of uh, Sigma Iota, um, maybe that may not even today. Um, especially going into especially the student athlete um, aspect, I found really important. I was actually talking to uh, one of my good friends, Sam Ely, about this um, the other day. Um, especially being a student athlete, because you have to juggle a lot of things on your plate. Um, sometimes it's not going to be easy. Early morning, you got a lot of things going on. Uh, being able to juggle all that and being a student athlete translated long, tenfold, it paid my paid every cent of the day. Uh, especially going, especially um, my biggest life, especially being a young student, being a young student athlete. Um, jobs love student athletes because they know you're gonna have work ethic, they know you're gonna have discipline, they know when the going gets tough, you're gonna stick to the ribs. Especially if they see you. Um, participate and be part of the team for all four years, they love that because they know that you can handle adversity. They know that you can handle your time management. They know all those things that you have to do at Emory. They know that you actually can do that in the real world as well. Um, I love hearing you say that because I think I think a lot of times kids kind of get in their head that if, if I want to do X, then I have to only study X and only think about X. And, you know, it's really not like that. Life, life is a little more rounded than that. Yeah, you gotta have a toolbox um, with different um, with different resources that you can pull um, from your life experiences, from school, from life, from every work, from every little bucket. Because if you just want, if you just narrow and just focus on one thing, then your opportunity is only stuck in that one thing. Um, being part of different groups, volunteering, being active, especially in your young college career, um, it really does help you um, once you graduate. Um, Especially, like I said, being a student athlete, um, the best analogy, um, some student athletes who play all four years might not play as much, right? As I said, but guess what? They still showed up, showed up to work out every day, on time, ready to go. Still showed up to practice every day, doing what they're supposed to do. Might be a senior, be on practice squad, make sure his team is getting better. Um, still doing 
those things, even though you might not get a reward of playing time, right. but it still shows that you're committed, that you're not selfish. Um, those actually things are wrong, right? Because I remember starting off, especially at Emory, I remember my freshman class, I think we had like 75 freshmen, and I remember on senior day, we had maybe like 12 oh, and yeah. transfers. Um, and seeing a lot of those, um, being able to transfer will actually work through that, handling that adversity, because things are never going to go your way. I'm sure every student athlete that comes in is like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be all very, I'm gonna be. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm here to just play. I'm just here to play this set sport. I remember um, my last talk I had with one uh, from the running back group from Emory. I remember we was upstairs and like any last advice. I remember I was running late for an interview. I was running late for the meeting because I had an interview with Spring Lake. I remember telling these young kids because I was the old, old head out of the group. I was like, I remember, <laughs> I remember I told them. I said, use football for to get your degree um, for yourself, but don't let football use you. I told him, oh, I see a lot of people who play. I said, I said, a lot of people who play four years of football, but they still end up with a degree. I'm right. like, use football as a tool to get your degree. Don't let don't let it use you so you don't end up with a degree. So like that's the because it's one again. It's one it's one thing in your toolbox to use your analogy. It's it's an important thing in your toolbox, but it's not the only thing in your toolbox. You gotta be able to venture out. I was like, um, I encourage the athletes to go um, do different things, volunteer, um, go listen to different groups, see, um, go go venture out. Because I remember um, coming in every as a plug as a student athlete. I remember that first semester, that first year. I was like, eh. I was like, no, I'm just a football guy. Like, I don't need, like, I don't need uh, any other groups because I'm just here to play football. And then, of course, um, longer I stay in Emory, the more I grew. I was gonna say, is that is that what pulled you out of that mindset? Was it Greek life? Yeah, Greek life. Um, Greek life, of course. Um, Greek life played a huge role in my college career. Um, we created a bond um, with a group of men um, that I still talk to on a daily basis today. Um, it isn't just about like um, the parties and stuff. It's about the uh, bond, um, help each other grow, becoming better men. Um, I think sometimes Greek life gets a negative perception sometimes. Um, that tends to be the that tends to be the part we hear about, unfortunately. Yeah, it's like it's a um, negative stigma, but there's actually more than that. Uh, there's actually more than just that, and I think sometimes we like gets a bad rap, uh, especially um, local. I really do encourage local because it's actually a special. It's actually is a special group. Of course, you've been part of Emory. Uh, of course, you can see how important <laughs> local Greek life is. Because yeah. I think one time it was like almost a homecoming. I've seen all these people from all walks of life coming together um, for 20 years, 30 years. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, wow. I was like, it must be more than, because if it was just more than just partying and just having that stigma, how these people wouldn't be here. So right. obviously it's more than that. Where people will come back to maybe 26 and be here. Um, staying connected. Um, sometimes <laughs> Greek life has really did pay everybody than I thought um, going through my career because um, I think without Greek life without Emory you know, like uh, it made my experience a whole lot better it opened doors for Emory like I, I have great appreciation for Emory because of it wow well that is a, well that is a cool thing to hear and I, I hope there's some six listening today who can appreciate the fact that we got to talk you've got to hear you make that pitch I think that's terrific well Jonathan I, at the end of our time I can't believe
believe it because you're so much fun to talk to. We could just keep doing this, but they have rules at the radio station, so I guess we better wrap it up. But Jonathan Turpin, class of 2017, I cannot believe you have just finished your degree and you're already doing all these great things for Frito-Lay and in your community. And I'm just so proud of you, and I appreciate you being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a great opportunity. Thank you. Well, and thank you a bunch, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Duck Pond Wall, hopefully for real, because it would be nice to get you on campus. Yes, I do miss it. Like, I always talk about Virginia. I always try to go by, uh, at least drive through campus, see how it's like. Um, I remember uh, my girlfriend, um, I showed her the campus. I was like, oh, well, you went here? I was like, yes. I'm like, oh, yeah. I was like, I showed her Wawa. I showed her the Duck Pond. I showed her, oh, yeah, I lived here. I was like, oh, look, there's our field house. Um, so it's always, it will always be part of my home. Um, so they played a significant part of my life that I, I don't think I can really say thank you enough for um, pay for it. Like, it's, it's, it was a great experience. It, Emory has made me the man I am today, and I'm grateful for it. I might have to make a t-shirt with your picture and that slogan on it. That is awesome. What a great thing to say. Jonathan Turpin, Class of 2017 in Charleston, South Carolina this morning. Thank you so much, and um, we'll look forward to getting you back on campus soon. Yeah, thank you. Shauna Hayward, class of 2008. Thank you so much for being with me on Duck Pond Wall today. Awesome, no problem, no problem. Well, I just totally, I just stalked you right off of Facebook because I thought she had a cool project going on, and you were sweet to say, sure, I'll do that. So let's 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 talk about, let's start with the easy questions first. Tell everybody where you are and what you're doing down there. Right, so I'm in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're a military family here in Fayetteville, and my husband actually just retired so uh, what I do here is I own a real estate investment company, and I actually started the company in Germany, which is another story. Um, uh, because we're military, we, went, we were in Germany for about nine years. So I uh, traveled the world. It was awesome. Uh, but while there, I had my, my daughter over there. She retired and worked on the field. But uh, while there, um, I didn't want to teach. So I had graduated from Emory, went to Washington, D.C. I taught for about six years. Then from there, uh, came to North Carolina for a year, but it was in Germany. So I didn't really want to teach in Germany, although they have an American, you know, American school. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, I didn't want to teach, uh, so I kind of stumbled across real estate. I've always been interested in real estate, so that was my my goal, but I was in Germany, so, you know. <laughs> so say, what is that like to try to tell, and do you speak German? Oh, no, well, not like the basics. Thank you. You're welcome. You know. You can order coffee. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah well, so, so yeah, what so was it like to start a real estate company in a, a, a country that is not normally yours? Right. So I, I was there, but I, st I started the company in North Carolina. So we oh, had, okay. So we had came from Fayetteville and went to Germany. So it's kind of confusing. But <laughs> while I was in Germany, I was I was doing business in North Carolina. So, oh, yeah. that is so I had, boy. Yeah, that had to be had, complicated. Very complicated because... Essentially, I was doing a nursery, and I had to have people boots on ground kind of say, boots on ground to say, hey, we're looking at this house. Yeah. You know, they want it for this amount. I can try to negotiate. You know, and then I'm six hours ahead in Germany, so the time <laughs> difference is another six hours. But, but it was it was creative, and it was great, and I made a lot of money. <laughs> so That's that, awesome. Uh, so well, I'm, I'm tickled because I've, I had a couple of interviews with people in California, and I got the time wrong every time. And so yeah. I'm thinking, how did you do that from Germany and get it right ever? 
percentage, and I broke it down to not layman's terms, but terms that kids would understand, and uh, broke it down like that. But that's what inspired each several top, what to cover in the book, and not yeah. to make it too long. You know, um, as a teacher, I know my kids' attention span is their age. You know, it's five, five minutes. Let's keep going. If it's ten, ten minutes. Come on now. So <laughs> I know, I know that about the kids. So I didn't want to make it too long, but I did want to make it educational enough so that they can leave that that book or have a conversation with the parent. That's really in my head with that book. Their parents yeah. can too because a lot of times I think it's like nearly 50% of parents really don't have that discussion with their kids. Why? Yeah. They may not know how to break it down as I didn't know how to break it down and then secondly um, they may not know much information about it themselves. So how could I explain it to my kid when I don't know what my strategies and techniques are? Well so, I kind of wonder that because that's, that, I actually have a cool thing in the back with like a parent guide or resource or whatever and I thought you know honestly I, I may not be the only grown-up who would read this going, I didn't know that. And so I'm thinking that probably the parents can learn a little something from it, too. Right, and that's the whole idea. That's the whole idea is to have a parent-child relationship where they can go through it and then learn something. Because my husband actually added that. He was like, put that in the back of the book for the parents because if I'm going over this in a lived room prior to knowing this information, right. I wouldn't know how to explain it still. So I, I put that information in the back. And hopefully they can maintain and sustain their credit as well by else they want to purchase and leverage their credit uh, yeah. to do better themselves. So that's that's the that's the generational wealth thing, right? The parent yeah. child where they can continue to pass that on generation to generation. And that is it's interesting that it's important for you to talk about that with Olivia. Is that something that she had noticed before or something that you wanted to make sure that you made a point about? About so credit in general? Well about the generational wealth. Yeah she she knows what mommy does, right? So real estate is one of those things. She knows that mommy knows I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, and uh-huh. she knows that I go look at houses. But putting that together, I'm not necessarily sure. She's gone <laughs> to banks with me to, you know, she's gone to a lawyer's office to close properties. So she knows it's kind of what's going on. But, um, yeah, I wanted to drive that home for her uh, because I want her to understand, too. I have to start at home and, know, and you know, let her know what all this means before I can reach out to her. So, yeah. Uh, we talk, that's, a, that's a daily conversation we have in, in little bits and pieces, right? Uh, so it's not like for four minutes for four minutes at a time. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. four minutes, get out of there. <laughs> four minutes, I I can break it down a little bit, and she's like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I am just I am just completely fascinated with it. I really am, and I just it just it's such an interesting idea. Like you say, there probably weren't any other kid resources to talk about credit. No, and my research said the same thing. So I looked on Amazon, I looked on Google, and um, not I, I heard I saw some things about um, money and saving, which is awesome as well. Yeah. But nothing about credit. Nothing about okay, um, you know, because that's something essentially we all run into. At some right. point, we're gonna run into credit. Uh, so need to know my my resources to know what that that means and what that looks like. Well, I had to laugh. I could hear my mother's voice in my head going, oh, "You can't." child about credit what are you crazy <laughs> but, but then I you know as I heard that voice in my head I was going I wouldn't have this house if it weren't for credit I wouldn't have my car if it weren't for credit I wouldn't have half of what's in my half the furniture in my house if it weren't for credit and so you know of course if the world runs on credit you know you just but it, you know I grew up with a mom who was like really I hate talking about money I, that's why I don't know what FICO means but you know but she was really into it and really paid attention to it and was really good at it and she, but she she did not like having a credit card. That was not something that she did. I've always had a credit card. Always. Right. 
have to confess that I, I could, like I said, I could hear my mom's voice going, why in the world would you talk to your child about that? But I'm thinking, why would you not talk to your child about right. that? <laughs> right, right. Because exactly. unfortunately, I learned about credit by screwing it up. You know, I learned about credit cards by screwing it up. And that's, that's when I got my lessons along the way. Right. And, and you know, growing up, I've learned that it doesn't have to be that hard, right? It doesn't have to be that. If you know up front what it is, and yeah, people still make mistakes even if they have the information, but at least they have the basics. That's kind of, again, reinforcing the idea of, you know, talking to kids about credit. Also, I had a teacher when I first started teaching. She would teach the kids really cute words. This was fifth grade. I taught fifth grade. And they were coming back to me saying, um, can I confer with my, uh, you know, my my peers, I'm like, what is what her? <laughs> Did you learn that word? <laughs> and, and and she, um, because it was uh, departmentalized, so she taught the reading component, I taught social studies and math. Other teachers didn't have math. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, um, she would keep just immerse them in, like, words and vocabulary, and that taught me a lesson. You know, this, this makes sense. It taught me that kids are sponges, number one. Number two, we underestimate what they can learn, how they yeah. can read, what they can do. Um, so why be fearful of that conversation? You know, these conversations have to be had, you know, in order for them to grow, in order for us to grow as parents and, and peers as well. Not peers, but um, guardians. Yeah, right. Sure. Did you ever read those lemony snicket books? He would do that. He would he would work in these really big words, and I kept going, I can't believe these are kids' books. But he would, you know, he would illustrate it in a way that you're like, oh, that's what that means. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> right. you're right. You right. got to challenge him. Well, so did your did your mom talk to you about these things? Did your family talk to you about this growing up? Right. So not my mom, but my dad did. And he talked okay. about he talked about credit as in like, Shoshana, do not do this because I'm here <laughs> and I'm seeing them suffer and I'm like, man, why are we here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why is our car breaking down? Why can we can't just get another car? Right. You know, so I learned about what not to do, but that was good because I didn't do that. So right. I kind of went in another direction. Uh, but he would constantly tell me about credit and student loans and, you know, this, this, the credit cards. They they had the mindset of you guys as far as, like, don't get a credit card. And we know that's a part of building credit and, and establishing credit. Um, but I know it now because I, I, I just read it in the coloring book. So, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> right. So he definitely had a conversation with me um, and how the importance of it. But, again, I learned what not to do a lot of times. But for sure, that, that helped me, um, you know, sure. mold, you know, my ideas around credit. Yeah. Did you did you have a credit card in college? I had a credit card, one, and I, I, I would use it. I was scared. I would use it and then pay it. I, use it, pay it, which is fine. That's what you're supposed to do. That is, use yeah. Use it, pay it, exactly. but it would be like $20 at a time. It wasn't anything I was putting on because I was so scared. I was but like, that's oh. good, though, because you established credit really early. Right. All right. And I didn't tell my parents that I had it in college. <laughs> I just applied for it, but so if they see this, they know now. But I had one, it was a Calvin One credit card, and uh, I used that bad boy, and I was just set off. But that was, I didn't know, but I didn't know what my credit score was. I just knew that, hey, it's nothing on it. I know I'm doing something right. Yeah, exactly. So probably by the time you actually checked it, you're like, look how to break my score is, because that's the way <laughs> right. I have to pay off my bill all the time. Right, exactly, yeah. That's funny. See, in college, we all had a Montgomery Ward credit card because you had to have two forms of ID to cash a check. A check. You you, you even see a check anymore? Anyway, to cash a check. So, and they would give you a credit card for, like, nothing. So, we 
all had a McGovern Award print card from the mall. That's how, oh, that's nice. how, old, that's how old we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cash and check. Cash and check. Exactly. Yeah, try that now. Now it's a good time now. <laughs> so where did you grow up, Kishana? I grew up in uh, Liberty, North Carolina. Uh, Where's Liberty? Like, Liberty is an hour from Raleigh, North Carolina. An hour okay. Louisville, North Carolina. We're not from Durham. Not. Durham, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was born in Blacksburg, Virginia. My dad played for Virginia Tech
fifth grade. Fifth grade. Well, that is that's, but that's kind of a fun age. I mean, once you get get a, well, I mean, I mean, like, once you get a hold of your classroom, it's a fun age as oh. far as like because they're still they're like young enough to think things are fun and old enough to kind of get your joke. You know, I mean, they're they're sort of a it's sort of a good spot. It, it's a good spot, but they're also, it's a, it's a transition for them, too, right? Because they're still babies, you know, and like, oh, can I ha- can I hug you 10 times? No, yeah. Okay. But then they're also emerging, and like, going into sixth grade, where they're like, oh. <laughs> 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 well, they think they're adults, so they're, they're like, feeling awful, like, I'm going to high school, and my baby was hot. Yeah. One day they are, one day they're not so much. <laughs> right. You get the attitude, you get everything. They're, they're maturing, puberty. All of that. So, yeah. It's, it's an interesting age, but, again, I love it. I love my kids. That is awesome. Well, and, and I'm, gosh, I just, I'm just thinking about you starting a business like that, and was it, was it daunting to, to start your own thing? It was, first of all, uh, as a female, African-American, and then overseas, that, like, when I, when I would pray about it, I would pray about it, I'm like, God, like, please help me, because <laughs> I have no clue what I'm trying to do or what I'm doing, so, because you look like, and then it worked, and I continued to make money, and I'm like, okay, that, that was a good time, <laughs> so, okay, so, it just worked, it, it worked, and it was very, very difficult, it's still very difficult, especially during COVID, especially uh, during our time, you know, economic yeah. time, but in general, it was tremendously um, daunting at times, but group comes in and I'm like, I, if, if other people can do it, that's kind of my motto is, if I see others do it, I know I can do it. So I kind of just try to enter the market and stay laser focused on what I was trying to do for them. Yeah. Well, ironically, you kind of had to be virtual from Germany and now you're kind of having to be virtual with COVID. So that was, who knew that was going to be good training for when you got back? Exactly. Yeah, there you go. So now I'm, I'm well prepared. Here we are. <laughs> All right. So, so as we wrap up, I, I got I got to ask, what's what's your advice advice to um, if, if an Emory Henry student is listening right now? What's what's your best advice to a young person right now? Because these are crazy days, um, oh, yeah. crazy times, and so what's your best advice to somebody right now who's young and getting started with his or her life? Um, my best advice is to keep growing. Um, it can be tricky. There are times you may not know what you're trying, what you want to be. Like, should I do this? Should I enter this career? Should I whatever the case may be. Just continue to go, 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 and push. Continue to have grit. And um, follow your passion, because that will drive everything, right? No matter what anyone says, especially your parents. I know this is a difficult time where your parents yeah. may say, well, I want you to be a doctor or a lawyer, but that's not in your best interest, and it's not. It's hard to take that stance and say, no, mom, dad, whoever, I think I'm going to go this route. And really uh, pursue, 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 pursue. And passion, I think, just, yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing. Because without that, you're, you're going to find yourself unhappy and flailing around. All right, so Absolutely. tell us, tell us, uh, how can we get the, the coloring book? I think I ordered mine from Amazon. Okay. Yes, you go to Amazon. So there's the boy version, there's the girl version. You go to Amazon, click in the title or print coloring book, it'll pop up. Um, oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, so it'll pop up on Amazon. I also okay. have a website, uh, Credit is the King for me. All right. Well, I tell you what, we're going to do a little written story to go along with this, and so we'll be sure to link to all those things in the written story. But if anybody's listening, they can just go to Amazon and what'd you say, Google credit coloring book. Credit coloring book. 
credit color and stuff, or you can Google the title, either one, or um, yeah. Scott Google and just put it in Amazon, it'll pop Yeah, up. okay, great. Well, you are just delightful. Thank you so much for talking to me and for sharing no your story. I, and I, I, this is really exciting. Deshauna Hayward, class of 2008. Um, I want to get you back on campus when it's safe and let you talk to some students because they need to know you and you need to, to, to share your, your good, good ideas and give, give wisdom with them. I think you would be a great role model for folks. So we gotta, we got to get you home. Absolutely. Emory, Emory home. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being with us on the Duck Pond Wall, and uh, I hope we'll see you back on campus soon. Awesome. Yes, yes. All right. Welcome back to the Duck Pond Wall, and I am so excited that my guest today is Krista Dover. Krista, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Monica. How are you today? Oh, good, and I know I'm sitting in Emory. Where are you sitting today? I am sitting in my office in Quetzaltenango, Guatemala. Get out of town. This is even more cool than I thought it was. I did not know that's where your office is. That is really cool. Yes, All right. I live here and work here and really enjoying the, the, dry, the dry days when it's rainy season right now. Oh. So it is the rainy season in Guatemala now? It is. It is. Oh, I hear about that. We had some friends from Costa Rica this year. They talked to me about the, the, the rainy season, and they're, 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 not, they're not kidding about that rainy season. Oh, no, no. It likes to rain a lot <laughs> for a good six months. You, you can guarantee that you can uh, line dry your clothes for only in the morning times, but after in the afternoon, you run no risk. <laughs> That's funny. Well, let's well let's tell people what you do. Tell, tell, first of all, what year did you graduate from Emory & Henry? I graduated in 08. 08. And, and you are now the executive director of Clean Water for the World. Is that right? I am. Tell, tell me what that means. What is Clean Water for the World and what do they do? So Clean Water for the World started back in 2002. Um, Gary and Judy Board, the founders, they are based out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. And uh, in their retirement, they were participating in delegations that went down with their parish to the sister parish in El Salvador. And one thing really bothered them. They knew the water was contaminated. They were told about it. And... The, but it bothered them a lot that they, as guests, were given bottled water to drink, but they saw children drinking out of the faucet. That was known to be contaminated. Oh, dear. And, and one of the leading causes of death in children under five around the world is gastrointestinal illnesses that are waterborne diseases. And it's something that we can actually control. And I know in the States we don't think about it. We can just go to our tap and just drink the water, but it's already treated here. I have to filter or purify my water in some form. I can't drink it straight from the faucet. Well. And so that bothered them a lot. And instead of wanting to just donate money or donate bottles of water, they wanted to create a sustainable solution. And so Jerry, being uh, fantastic with machines and mechanic mechanical stuff, he decided to invent a purifier that was affordable. And he put a purifier literally in a box and it's a portable purifier. It's about the size of a, a carry-on suitcase. It's got a paper filter and it goes through a UV light chamber so it gets, gets out of the sediment and then it purifies with the water in it. And we install it mostly in schools. We're in about 300 communities all over the world but primarily in Haiti, Guatemala, and El Salvador. Yeah. And uh, we work with organizations that work directly with the communities so we complement the work that they're already doing in 
around the communities and schools. And that's my job is guiding this. Good morning. Welcome in Algeria. Welcome into the world. Stay healthy, everyone. Wear your mask. Listening to Dietrich Haddon. Regarding the midnight oil tonight while y'all sound asleep. In order for me to exegete the text accurately, I got to make sure that I search the scripture, make sure everything is, is right. <laughs> In order to rightly divide, sometimes you gotta stay up all night to make sure what you're saying is hermeneutically uh, sound just not saying something out the side of your neck because it sounds good. Listening to listening to some of the in order. So there's layers to some of the posted pastor Dietrich Haddon from the Los Angeles Hill City Hill City Life Church in Los Angeles at what I think it's 109th and Main Street in Compton. Y'all rest well. I'll be up in about an hour. Be time for prayer. We have midnight prayer. So y'all be blessed. Have a good night. Pray for me. Let me just say this before you go to bed. Uh, I want you to stop and appreciate your pastor or your overseer or your teacher, whoever's called uh, to pour into you, because if they're a good teacher, they spend hours upon hours every week, trust me, burning the midnight oil, only to minister for about 20 to 30 minutes because y'all have a short attention span. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I mean, I mean they, they burn the midnight oil up getting all this information and i'm not complaining because you got to have the information you got to have it deposited in you in order for the holy spirit to pull it out of you when it's necessary imagine the holy spirit wants to minister to somebody but you ain't got the information in you to pull from so it's a good thing mm-hmm. and see i'm i'm a pentecostal apostolic charismatic preacher slash teacher and i love to teach but i also love to preach I'll teach, and when that Holy Ghost hit me, I'll go to hollering, 
and get stirred up. But don't get it twisted. I can stop hollering and teach you and break it down and teach you why I'm hollering. Okay, there's a big difference. It's called zeal and fire with knowledge, right? It's not zeal without knowledge, but zeal and fire with knowledge. And so don't get it twisted because the way I was raised, you better have it all together. If the theologians wanted to challenge you on your theory, you got to be able to sit down and spar with them and, and, and share with them and give them your uh, perspective. And it must be rightly divided. That's the way we were taught. Uh, but what makes me excited about ministry is when I get not only revelation, but demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Think about that. When Jesus walked to earth, he was a master teacher. I'm talking about he would break it down, parables to make everybody be like, oh, man, now I get it, right? But when he was done teaching, he'd go right into activating in the Holy Spirit. People getting healed, set free and delivered, demons being cast out of people opening blinded eyes, uh, uh, the lame was walking, the dumb was talking. I mean, there was a demonstration of the move of God. So he had the word, but he also had spirit. So there's a lot of people that just stuck on the word and they dry up spiritually. Then you got some people that's caught up in the spirit, but don't have enough word. So they, they so spiritual, they blow up. It's important to have balance. You got to have the word, sound, solid word, you got to have this move of the spirit activating in you. All right. That's the way you do balanced ministry. All right. All right. I know you're getting tired. Get your rest. Have a wonderful night. Listen, rest well. And I believe it's going to be better in the morning. Whatever you're going through, I declare and decree that it will get better in the morning. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Your job is to make it. Live until you see the morning. Don't give up in the night season. Don't do it. And I know it's a lot going on this year. It's a lot of a lot of us are grieving because we've lost loved ones. The, the soul of the nation is hurting, and uh, the world is grieving. In the church and out of the church, saints and sinners, we're all in this together. Uh, but I believe that trouble can't last always. There's an ex. No storm can last. It don't work like that. There's an expiration date on every single storm. You know, I believe there is going to come a day soon where heaven will declare enough is enough. <laughs> enough death, enough killing, enough. And uh, we'll see this COVID-19 clear up when heaven declares it. So our job is to please heaven, be pleasing to God, and, uh, and, and believe that he's going to stop this thing ravaging through our nation in Jesus name all right get your rest let me go back to study peace Georgia Georgia Do you 
kinds of short samples from Facebook. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Azerbaijan a timeless presence Shaki Khan Palace Live Sami Yusuf Sami Yusuf is on YouTube and Spotify Apple Music Deezer uh, Pandora Title Angami Amazon Music and many more. Excuse me. I've been awake all night. It's six thirty two AM. I've been awake all night. Just, just ready to stop and maybe sleep for a few hours, but we need to hear some good music. so many so many good posts so many different prayers from all different faiths on Facebook uh, sometimes sometimes they have a disagreement sometimes they disagree because they have different belief systems but God has uh, created everyone to submit to him everything in creation in nature submitted submits to God whether they know they are whether they know or not they everything in creation was created to submit to God so so after that people choose they make a choice of how they want to express that longing and desire to worship 
They may choose the Islamic faith. They may choose Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, many different ways they may choose. And if they have not really practiced long enough, haven't studied long enough, they may may confuse faith with emotionalism, with emotions, and they get very upset if other people are not practicing exactly the way they practice. So, so that's the, the oldest story in the world. Many of the world wars are fought because of difference, difference in religions or politics or, oh, government policies, so it just seems natural that it should be up up to God to put a person on a path and not up to anyone else. If he wants to put them on this path, take them off and lead them to another path, that's strictly his choice not ours. Okay, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Tune in again. Stay healthy.